You may be seated. It is an absolute joy to be with you guys this morning, to be back worshiping with our Grace family. Um, I just want to share a quick update on how things are going. We've been in Portland, the city, for a month and a half now, and what we found is this. Um, first off, God's invitation to us to root ourselves in Him, to root our identity not first in being church planters, but what it is to be sons and daughters living in the city uh, rooted in him. And so we've been trying to put together a prayer team to cover us. We've been working on getting healthy family rhythms, um, get, setting up mentors in our life, uh, coaches, um, and seeking to build healthy rhythms that will help us be there for the long haul. Um, but all the while, God has just been opening doors as we've met our neighbors, as we've ran into uh, di- different people in the city. What we were told is that people are going to be really closed off to us. But because of your prayers for us, we found people really open to us. And so I'll just tell you one quick story. Um, we go into this shop, um, and there's this guy that owns a shop. It's a really popular shop in Portland. Um, and it has, like, you know, uh, custom-made clothes and all sorts of, like, cool, like, beard oil and that kind of stuff. And the guy that um, runs the shop, he, uh, he was there. He was uh, sitting behind the counter listening to this. Uh, he was spinning a... a Michael Jackson record, and he was in like a tuxedo jacket and jeans, just like a really, you know, funky guy. And we got to talking to him. He was asking about us, and he was asking, you know, for visiting. And I said, no, we moved here. And he's like, oh, that's crazy. And we were talking about it. And, and then finally asked, so what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. He was like, you're a what? You're a pastor? He's like, what? what? Like, tell me, what is that, you know, what is that about? And I was like, yeah, we're here to plant a new church in the city. He's like, that's crazy. Like, what type of church? And so I was telling him about Alpha and this place to explore your questions. And we want to be at a church that serves the city. And he's like, man, give me your card. Like, I want to research about Alpha. And he's like, all right, before you leave, he's like, I want you to say a blessing for me. And I was like, really? I was like, okay. And so like, we <laughs> finished shopping and we were about to leave. And he's like, all right, come on. And he was like, and so Carrie and I in the shop, laid hands on him and prayed over him. And it was just such a powerful moment of like, God, you're going before us. So thank you for your prayers, for your support, your love for us. If you're not on our email update, catch me after the service so I can keep you guys updated. Um, So I want to pray though as we turn to God's word together. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks, Lord, that you are faithful to us. Lord, I pray that our faith would be fanned into flame by your Holy Spirit through the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want for you guys to imagine with me this, that you are in the shoes of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you've been given this worship equation that you either bow to the 90-foot golden idol or you get thrown into the fiery furnace. And the music starts to play. And you look around at all the other rulers from all these other nations bowing down to this idol. And you look at the golden, and you look at the furnace, and you stand. Where does faith like that come from? How does faith triumph over fear? I heard this quote from the poet, he's a beat poet, uh, named Charles Bukowski, and he says this, What matters most is how you walk through the fire. So how do we have faith in trials? When temptation comes, when we are, when, when an idol is pulling us towards it, when something that, that our heart is going after something that we know is not what God wants for us. Or we're in a season of grief or suffering and God seems distant. 
How do we have faith in those times? Or maybe God is calling us out of our comfort zone to do something. How do we have faith in those times? And then the flip side of that is what happens when our faith fails? What happens when we don't follow after God? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Daniel 3. Um, and we're going to be focusing on 16 and everything afterwards. Um, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to be looking at three specific things. The fear in the trial, the faith in the trial, and then the faithfulness of God in the trial. So the first thing is the fear in the trial. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fear was very real, that they were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. But for us, in any trial that we go through, when we think about what does it look like for me to step out in faithfulness, to, to follow God, to put him first in this situation, there's always a fear that creeps into our mind. A fear of, if I follow God, what am I going to miss out on? If I do it his way, in my family, at my work, the way that he tells me to view my body, the way that he tells me to, to you know, create time. If I do it his way, what am I going to be missing out on? What am I going to lose? And that fear oftentimes takes the form of a lie. And it sounds something like this, right? That God is not able to deliver you from a trial. Or God is not uh, really, he does not really have your best in mind. That somehow you're going to follow him and you're going to lose. Or you're going to follow him to a dead end and then you're going to be all alone. So for us, when we sense God calling us to plant a church in Portland, Maine, those lies took two forms. First off, there's no way that God can plant a church through you. You're not gifted enough. You, get, you don't have enough experience. The soil is too hard. God, is that really God? Or God's going to lead you up there. Things are going to get hard and then you're going to be all alone. So what are the trials that you're going through right now? What temptation are you facing? What season of suffering might you be going through? What's the fear that's connected to that? That's in the form of some sort of lie. Think about that for a second. And maybe you're not going through anything. You're like, life is pretty sweet right now. But this could be a, a sermon that's God's time for you because of something that's going to happen this week. So what's the fear that's attached to that? That when you think, I'm going to put my faith in God, there's always a fear attached to it. Now, so what do we do with those fears? Okay, so that's my next question. And so we're going to look at what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do with this fear of faith, uh, of death, right? So they decide not to bow down. The Chaldeans rat them out. And then... Uh, it says that Nebuchadnezzar was in a furious rage. This is the most powerful man on earth. And it says, If you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. You see, that's the, that's the fear. And then, here's the lie. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And listen to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us, out, us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And this is what I'm going to call double-handed faith. What they're basically saying is God is able to deliver us from the fire. 
God is able. He is strong. And the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, speaks of God being able to deliver us from anything. But, listen to this. They say this. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. So any trial you go into, any suffering that you're going through, God can deliver you from it. We know he's strong enough, but they, they're saying their faith has this other hand that says, we know that God is loving, he's good, and if his will for it is for us to suffer, then we know he's going to use that suffering for his good, our good, his glory, and that he'll use it as a witness to the watching world. Do you see that double-handed faith that they have? It's so powerful. And so, is faith then not having any fear? Just being fearless like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I would say no. That faith isn't so much about how much strength we're able to muster. But it's rather, where do we go with our fears and those lies? Because Jesus, right, in his time of greatest trial in the Garden of Gethsemane, do you see him walking around, passing out to his disciples bumper stickers that say, too blessed to be stressed, too blessed to be depressed? He doesn't, right? You hear him say this, while sweating blood, hearing all those lies, he says, God, if you are able, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Double-handed faith. He brings those fears and lies to God. And so whatever you're going through, whatever lies you're hearing, whatever fears you're facing in the midst of the trial this week, right now, bring those things into the presence of God because that's where faith comes from. Because when we do, God always shows up. And so here's what we see, God's double-handed faithfulness in this passage. So they then get thrown, they get bound and thrown into the fire. And then Nebuchadnezzar goes from rage to astonishment. He runs down, he sees something that blows his mind, and then he says to, Nebuchadnezzar, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out and come here. And it says this, that the hair of their head was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. You see, God is able to deliver us from the fire, from any trial that we're going through, any suffering. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, I asked this question, well, what if we fail? Like, you might be saying, I haven't been faithful to God. I'm carrying this sin, this guilt, this shame. I haven't been faithful to God at all. Is he able to deliver me? And in those moments, the lie sounds like this. It sounds like God's worship equation is just like Nebuchadnezzar. If you rebel, if you're not faithful, then you get to fire. But this is God's equation of the gospel. That Jesus says, if you rebel, if you fail, I'll take the fire. That what we know is this. That Jesus on the cross has taken our sin, our failure, all the sin and, and guilt and shame and death, and yes, even the fire of hell that we deserve, so that we can rest in his love and his forgiveness. What matters most is not how we walk through the fire. What matters most is who has walked through the fire for us. 
And so rest in the gospel. You sinners, you who are weary, who are broken, rest that he has delivered you from death. That he has walked through the fire for you. But not only that, he is able, he has delivered you, but not only that, it says this, Nebuchadnezzar comes down astonished and says, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to him, I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. The appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. And we could get into a big debate about what scholars say. Is this one of two things? Either this is an angel that's meant to symbolize God's presence with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, or it's actually Jesus himself. That it's an Old Testament uh, appearance of Jesus that prefigures him coming to earth. We don't know. But the main point is this. Here's what I want you to take away. This passage is saying that not only has God gone through the fire for us, but he is in the midst of the fire with us. If you're in the midst of a trial, if you're in the midst of suffering, in that very moment, he is right there with you in that. And sometimes it's hard for us to see. Sometimes we don't immediately see it. But the overwhelming witness of the scripture is that Jesus is always with us in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the suffering. He's right there. So like my son last night, and it was too good that I had, I had to share it because like, it was like Jesus was giving, us, <laughs> giving me this moment with my son. So we're staying at a friend's house. He's at the top of this staircase um, in this bedroom. And we put him to bed. And I came downstairs and he literally, I can hear from the top of the stairs, Daddy, don't leave me. Are you with me? Daddy, I can't see you. And that's us, right? In the middle of whatever we go through, that's us. We're like, Daddy, are you with us? And Jesus says, yes, I'm always with you. Even to the end of the age. When you walk through the fire, I am with you. And so brothers and sisters, know this. God's double-handed faithfulness. He has overcome the fire for us and he is with us in the fire. Faith triumphs over fear because Jesus has delivered us from the fire. He's with us in the fire. So what matters most is this. Who is with us in the fire? Jesus. That's where our faith comes from. That's where great faith comes from, looking to him. And so... um, there's a preacher named Brian Chapel that pastored in this small coal mining town. And he uh, said that there was an older man in the town who, when he was a coal miner, that when he was young, um, there was an accident and he ended up as uh, handicapped, as an invalid. And slowly the old man's uh, body wasted away. Um, his house started to, you know, fall into ruin. Um, and there was a younger man that's, that came to him one day, sat down on his bed and was visiting with him and said this. He said, you know, with the cards that you've been dealt, do you ever doubt that God loves you? And the guy said, yeah, I do. He's like, some days Satan comes and sits in that seat right there. And he points to my body and this bed and then points out the window to the man that lives across the street who's a good friend of mine who's still strong, He's my age, but still strong and vibrant, and says, does God love you? And then he points around to this room that I'm in that's falling apart and in tatters, and then across to his house, 
that man who's prospered and renovated and says, does God love you? And then he points to me alone in this bed and then points to that man playing catch with his grandson and says, does God love you? And he said, and in my mind's eye, what I do is I take Satan's hand and I walk up the hill of Calvary and I point to Jesus's thorn-printed head and to his nail-pierced hands and feet and say, does God love me? You see, that man knows. And faith triumphed over fears, not because he didn't have any fear, but because he knew that Jesus had walked through the fire for him, and he knew every one of those days that Jesus was right there in that bed with him in the midst of the trials that he was facing. And so, brothers and sisters, what I want to encourage you to do, we're going to go into a time of worship. Um, It's going to be a worship response song. And I want you to take whatever trial you're going through, whatever it's going on in your life right now, big or small, and I want you to think about what are those fears and lies that I might be believing. And what I want you to do, it's going to be a little bit of like a meditation exercise with the Lord, as I want you to take those things and take it to the foot of the cross. And ask the question, Jesus, are you with me? Do you love me? And see what Jesus says. So I'm going to pray for you now. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that you've not only taken the fire for us, but you are with us in the fire. Lord, I pray that you would bring to mind those fears and those lies. Lord, you would help take them captive and bring them under the lordship of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand.